CJSW 90.9 FM and CMRU Radio in Calgary. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge the land we stand on. This is Treaty 7 territory, which includes Ghana, Siksika, Bigani Nation, Tutina, Stony Nakoda, including Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. Our land is also home to our Métis brothers and sisters. I'm Buxaganaki, Grace Heavy Runner, and welcome to Indigenization Across the Nation. are tuned into indigenization across the nation. This is coming from you from CGSW 90.9 FM and MRU Radio. Uh, Today, uh, we have a guest, Cheyenne Rain Legrand, and she is an artist out of Edmonton, um, an Iowa artist. Can you tell me a bit about your background? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm from Big Stone Cree Nation, which is about four hours up north from Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah, but I've been living in Edmonton now for like my whole life pretty much, except for I did my uh, degree at Emily Carr in visual arts for four years. So I lived in Vancouver for four years, Um, but I've been back home now for two years. So it's been really nice to be back. How has Emily Carr kind of shaped your, um, your art? Yeah, I think like for me, Emily Carr, like, there was a lot of connections that I made there with other indigenous folks and like just the art community. Um, Yeah. I think it was a really good experience for me for the most part. I think institutions always are a little bit, (laughs) there's a lot of layers there, but yeah, like I created a lot of like long lifetime friends there. So yeah. And that was what was really like has been used amused for you throughout your artistic practices and stuff, your friendships and stuff. Definitely like connection, like family, community, like the land. Those all are really important to me in my art practice. What is your philosophy kind of behind your artwork when you're like, like some of the philosophies behind your artwork um, that like propel it forward? Like just like maybe a couple of the things that you want that, that you're trying to share with the world maybe or that you think of when you're creating your art, you know? I think um, it's, I think what the work was is definitely a a message that I try to share is like about love and like, um, you know, kindness. And I think a lot of my work just stems directly from my experience as like a, an Ihiosku as an indigenous woman and, um, kind of just expressing like often my work, my performance work is a bit more, um, it's a bit more healing for me in a, in a different way. Um, like the ways that I move my body um, as a way to heal and express. I think that uh, something that I think about a lot is the generations um, before me and the generations yet to come and, you know, thinking about the past um, and everything we've been through. And then being in this generation here today where I am able to express and feel and and heal I think is really special and I feel very honored to you know have the privilege to get to express through art um 
Oh, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. 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 There's like, there's so much um, Indigenous women before us that were unable to even do this. Like, 100 years ago, it was not like 50 years ago. It was not like this. 30 years ago, even. Maybe 20. Like, seriously. It's, I, I can't believe yeah. it. It's such a new time for us as Indigenous women artists. I just love it. Um, and yeah, that's so cool that you are always thinking of your ancestors with your art. I remember seeing another piece of your art, but just a picture of it. It was the, um, the, the fancy shawl with the beer, or not the beer, <laughs> the pop can tabs. Yeah, um, totally. the, uh, I, refer to, I refer them to as beer tabs or like Pepsi tabs. Like, they're, like yes, yeah. beer tabs is fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be any kind of tabs. Yeah, I really love that piece of art. It makes me think about going to... Um, how I was back in the day and I, for some reason there was always a lot of pop cans <laughs> empty pop cans at my powwows and I just mm-hmm. step on them <laughs> and like <laughs> clink around <laughs> all <of the> yeah <laughs> I love powwows um this piece is definitely inspired by like a fancy shawl um but I guess I was thinking about like um how my ancestors used to just like make they would just, they're so creative. They would make anything out of any, like, you know, like shells, like all kinds of like materials from nature. And then I was thinking about my time here now and like how many cans I encounter and I just started collecting them. So I've been collecting them for like five years and then, yeah. And then I finally did a Banff residency um, recently. And that's when I created, that's when I finally was able to use them and create this um, fancy shawl. Yeah. Do you have like a bunch of things lying around then your house, like a bunch of. um, A a little bit. Like the other thing that I started collecting is um, like the plastic holders for like beer or pop, like those rings, those plastic rings. (laughs) I'm thinking of making something with that too, but <laughs> you could maybe, yeah, you could totally utilize that. I like how you kind of like made it weaved, weaved it to get the, the pop tabs together. And, and that was really cool how you did that. Um, so yeah, I bet you'll be so creative in that. Um, okay. So I have a couple other questions. Um, yeah. um, I would one was wondering if you'd like to share what you've been working on lately. Yeah, for sure. Um, So the fancy shawl that I made, the tabs shawl, is going to be a part of my solo show at Grant in Vancouver in the fall. That opens uh, September 16th. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'll be creating. I'm really excited about that as well because it's my first solo show. And like I was talking about, like, you know, like these empty spaces, how you can transform them. I'm really excited to like, see what I can do in the space. Um, but yeah, I'll be showing that shawl as well as um, creating another object um, that I'll be wearing in a performance with the shawl. I'm going to go back home to Wabaska and perform with the water in the sunset. Um, mm-hmm. My friend Eli Hurdle is going to be helping me film that. So that's really exciting. So that's kind of my next project um, is working on this, this new, this new object that I'm making that I'm going to be wearing. But oh, yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'm making a short film with it too. That's going to be yeah. such a nice touch. I love that. 
Um, I was wondering um, if um, you, like, I had a question, if you could do your own um, kind of dream art exhibit right now, kind of with, um, with like, unlimited amount of, like, materials you could use or whatever, um, what kind, what would you do? Like, what kind of uh, art practice would you, would you do just, just right now? What do you, like, just a... Yeah, I've, if I've already thought of one that's, like, a I know the budget would probably be quite expensive, but um, what I wanted to do was create a giant like glass. I don't, I don't really know if it would be made out of glass, but I think it would be see-through and it would be like filled with water, um, water that I like would collect from the lake in Wabasca. And then I would perform in the water, like very like mermaid vibes, like very, yeah, that's kind of one of the projects I wanted to do is like perform like above it as well as in the water um but I think to start to ease my way into like that grand of a performance I think I could do a smaller one where that's like just a you know like a foot of water or something that I think that could be really cool to bring into the gallery space Mm -hmm. um because in my performance work I often do perform with the water but it's like you know out in nature um Mm -hmm. so I think it'd be interesting to bring nature like into the gallery somehow but yeah, that's one, one I've been thinking about. <laughs> oh, so you want to talk a lot about nature in your art and like you're trying to also um, reuse kind of materials that like are, are like like recycled. Like you, we want to recycle materials too. That sounds so like yeah, fitting for um, in, like, like especially because you have, I don't know, art ancestors definitely wanted the best for the land. So that's definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. And you, you do performance, you do so many different kind of art. Like I, you don't have one thing you do, okay? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like recently just, I'm another thing that I've been trying out, which is really fun is um, I recently just modeled for indigenous fashion arts in Toronto. Cool. And so they like, I feel like they kind of like, they're really open to like more performative like modeling. So it just felt like mini performances when I'd walk out there and it just, yeah, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I just felt, it felt so special to like get to like shit. Cause like when I perform, I feel like I am not performing alone. Like I always feel like, you know, my ancestors are with me and like, so, cool. so just special to like share that with like, in, in like the fashion world too. So that was really fun but yeah I do kind of I just like to work interdisciplinary so like I do photography and like video and sound yeah oh wow you so you do photography and video sound too because yeah your photography is always so spot on I I've just known your art for just a little while so um but you have like such an awesome Instagram oh thank you <laughs> you guys have to follow her on Instagram so yeah it's you have a phenomenal eye and so you are doing all kinds of art so you just kind of like get con do you just kind of go for like contracts and grants and um and then and then you kind of create your own other little pieces and everything oh yeah that that sounds like such a cool lifestyle (laughs) yeah I feel like really thankful that I get to to do this because I I've been working at since I graduated I've been working at like art institutions and I felt like it was taking a lot away from my ability to create and just even make work and um, 
So this year was the first year where I was like, okay, I'm just going to fully go for it. I'm just going to try to, I'm going to be an artist. I'm just going to do it. And I feel like it's been been going well. So I'm really thankful for that. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. I'm thankful for it too. Yeah. It's really inspiring. Um, So usually at the kind of end of every interview for our show, we like to ask um, you to give like a message to the youth, um, especially like indigenous youth that are creating um and uh we want to just just like to to if if they what kind of advice like maybe um people in their youthhood could could um do to propel propel themselves as an artist Mm -hmm. i think um firstly i want to say that you are beautiful and you are powerful Mm um yes and to just always just you know, keep going after those goals and you're going to get them. Like you just, sometimes it takes a lot of work. And also like, I think um, mentorship helped me a lot. And that's a message I like to share too, is that it helps, you know, if you can find someone um, who, who will help you. And like, I always am willing to offer that too. Like that um, if anyone who's listening, you need some advice or help with anything I'm here um you can probably contact me through my Instagram but yeah um yeah just know you are amazing and you can do it and um yeah there's always help along the way too if you need it (laughs) yeah that's such powerful advice thank you so much Cheyenne for the for taking your time to talk with us thank you thank you for thinking of me and asking me to be a part of this (laughs) Totally. Yeah, you have, I can see you are going to be creating a lot more art in the future. I'm so excited to see it. So, and, and everybody else is, I'm sure, too. And- <laughs> I go by Raven, prefer it that way. I'm from Siksika, Treaty 7, but I also am half Ukrainian. Predominantly just stay in Calgary my whole life. I've lived on my res for a little bit here and there. I love it over there, it's beautiful, but Calgary, Mohinskis is where I call home. I had went to art school for like six years. AU Arts, it's called now, but it's formally known as ACAD. And so that's where I found like my artistic meaning. I went in for drawing because I was an aspiring tattoo artist. I had like tattooed for, at that time, probably like eight years, but just like traveling around Canada kind of thing. Never took it seriously. So I went there to AU Arts for a drawing to become a better tattoo artist. I realized there that it's not a technical school, it's a conceptual school. So then I started to fall in love with glass blowing. That was fun. I loved that, I majored in that. I really loved glass for what it was, when it was hot especially. Like I just loved being around it and loved playing with it. So what's different about it when it's hot like that? Well, when it's hot, it's like alive. You have power with it, you're playing with it, you have interaction with it, you can communicate with it. Like, I love it. It reminds me kind of like volcanoes <laughs> and like ethereal part, the magic of the world. And then you have, there's so many possibilities you can do with like glass when it's hot, because it's wet. That magic of the world, does that speak to the meaning that you found in art too? 
Yes, it does. Uh, and I didn't find it conceptually in glass. I started to be really pessimistic about the glass industry when I started taking a sculpture class. Sculpture is it's a multimedia form of art. It's that art that there's a ball of concrete in the middle of a room and it's just like groundbreaking, you know? Okay. It's that kind of art. It's like, wow, just because the concept behind it, underneath it, around it, is what like really like impacts you as a person. So once I took that sculpture class, I, I really like found out why I make art is because the world is beautiful and like nature's beautiful. And it's just like that magic comes naturally. You don't really have to uh, materialize it to make it just comes naturally but with materializing it and trying to like make your own magic we're just killing the actual real natural magic and then so I realized I did some digging and I can see from my classmates in the glass that they're just n like n nothing bad about glass blowers or whatever but I, I adore them for what they do and they're amazing but like the amount of glass that's thrown away one student would throw like 20 bowls each week trying to perfect their bowl. Sometimes, like maybe like half of it or 25% of it would go back into the kiln and be remelted, but like majority of it would always be thrown out. And then so that really like made me research and dig deeper and find out about how much actual glass is made and how much actual glass is thrown away and that there's actual beaches that are going missing, like big ass beaches. Under the glass. Yes, under the glass industry. So then I just like totally like fell out of love with like glass blowing. Like I love glass blowing, it's beautiful, but like it just like, wow, so detrimental to the environment. I just couldn't, couldn't be a part of it anymore. And then so I kind of like directed myself into sculpture and that's what I majored in. Like I majored in glass and then I took an extra two years to major in sculpture. And in sculpture is where I really found my voice. Like it was crazy how I found my voice in sculpture. It was amazing. Oh, at Bay's Coast. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I had been there in 2019, and this is where I did the piece first. And it's the first time I did a large-scale installation at a music festival of such, like, grandiose <laughs> uh, audience. It's pretty big, and I'm super excited. What it is, it's, it's like a chandelier in the, in the trees, but made of paper rings. This paper was made from book paper and these books were found specifically in the garbage, in the waste stream, so these books would never have a chance ever to be read again kind of thing. So what I did was found the books, I ripped them up, I brought them back to a pulp and then I pressed them to long sheets of paper, like they were probably like 11 inches high and they got like from like probably like two feet long to about 15 feet long and then i made them each individually into rings and then hung them like smallest to largest going up and then lit them from above and then at night the light and the rings would cast a shadow on the ground and then that shadow would get larger and that shadow on the ground was representative of 
the ancient trees and how big those ancient trees were before we started cutting them down for production. And so it's called Ghost Stories. And it's like the last time those books, and those trees that died for those books would ever influence or coexist with humans. And then after it, I burn it. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about tattooing. You said you were aspiring for a long time, and then you went into it, went out of it again to focus on sculpting and back into it. So where did your interest in tattooing come from? It was like one of those things that I was young, like a little kid, and I'd always draw, 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 and then like I'd always get like praise for my drawings. I just like naturally knew how to draw a face, and I just like, wow, everybody's amazed. And then like, when I was younger, a little like emo goth girl, I was always the one to pierce my friends with like earrings we've got, <laughs> like our deans and stuff. And I was the one to pierce you, I was the one to dye your hair, I was the one to cut your hair. And then uh, one of my ex-boyfriends, and he was legally blind, he had gotten from a tattoo show a tattoo machine and needles. And then they just kind of like sat on his shelf for quite some time. And I always like look at them. I was like eye them down, walk by, and then I look at them again, eye them down. I was like, okay, well, one day I was like, I might as well just like check these needles out. Looked at the needles. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Walmart and get some India ink and poke myself. So that's how that started. <laughs> and then my friends are like, oh my god, you did that. Do one to me too. So started off stick and poking my friends. Yeah. And then the word got out that I was stick and poking. Like I want stick and poke too around my town. <laughs> And then, so, and then my mom got me a machine. She's like, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. So I was like, all right. So then I didn't know anything about like YouTube or checking it out. I was like, okay, I'll just try to put it together myself. <laughs> so I put it together myself and I got it working. And then I slowly just like taught myself how to do things all the way up. Um, got, did some bad pieces, 100%. I'm going to own it. Like there's some bad tattoos out there for sure from the beginning. But um, whatever. <laughs> they signed up for it. And then, yeah. So that kind of like funded travels around Canada. I would just go around tattoo, make some money, pay for gas, that kind of thing. So I didn't really take it too seriously. And then I went to ACAB. Learned that tattooing really wasn't going to be, like they weren't going to be teaching me like how to draw over there, that's all good. Um, then I did sculpture, and then that one just like totally put the halt on tattooing in like all. It was just like, okay, I can't be drawn if I'm like really in pain about paper and trees. Like, so that went out the, that, that, that would get put on the back burner for a bit there. And then I graduated. My last final piece in ACAD was actually about a tree, and it was like a burnt tree hanging upside down over a teacup. Um, it was cool, but uh, yeah, so then I took a break completely for about eight, nine months from art and like tattooing. Like I was just like, okay, I just need to reset who I am as a person. I was resetting, resetting, was living down in the res. It was so beautiful. And then I was setting myself up to um, maybe open a tattoo shop down on the res. Cause I was like, okay, well, I don't know. What am I gonna do next? Might as well maybe check and see if I can get some funding, open up a tattoo shop and go from there. But while I was getting this application already, I had gotten invited into a tattoo shop. 
beginning of COVID in Calgary. And he had invited me because he had seen a tattoo I had done on somebody's arm. He's like, oh wow, she's actually really good. Like you should get her to come in here and I'll give her an interview. And so I got I got word of that. So then I went, went did the interview, uh, I got the job. And it was a it was a good introduction to the industry. It was a little crazy. The boss was very crazy and it didn't last very long, honestly. I think it lasts like two or three months and he was a great teacher, like the way he made things and the lessons so concise. I was it stuck in my head right away and I was able to like learn super quick. So I went in as a junior artist. I never did the apprenticeship phase. And right even when I walked into the uh, tattoo shop, I had like not drawn for three years. I had not tattooed for three years. And oh. I, so I was like, oh my God, what I'm getting myself into. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this tattoo and draw. And then I did it and I like excelled right away just because I felt like so confident being in the tattoo shop. And then so I had to quit that one. Then I worked on another one. And then I had to quit that one. And then I find myself at this one I have now. This one I have now, it's called First Street Tattoo. And we're gonna be in Kensington. That guy, um, his name's Freddie Clam. He's my mentor right now. And he's like been a really good mentor. He's helped me solidify everything really that I needed to solidify. So I was a great line artist, but like I always like had like such a like a nerve like such a nervous moment with like shading mm. but he's the one that's just like just do a portrait just throw it out there and see what you got just get a guinea pig to come in here and if you do a shitty portrait it's okay you know at least you're trying i was like okay so i did my first portrait and it was edward scissorhands and it was like the best i saw it you said it's beautiful i know that was my first one i was like what so then ever since that i've just been very confident i'm just growing now growing and like finding my own, my own niche in drawing and perfecting that. So that's what I do now. I don't, I haven't been thinking about my fine art side. It's always kind of like on the back of my mind though, because I have some juices flowing and I kind of want to work with rock, wood and glass and metal. So how can listeners uh, check out your art and get in touch with you if they want a tattoo? Okay, well, you can check out my art and my tattoos at on Instagram at raven.terra, raventerra, that's my art name. And as well, you can catch me on um, my tattoo shop's Instagram, that is at First Street YYC. it's number one, S-T- Street YYC on Instagram. Do you want to throw a plug out for uh, for your installation at Base Coast too? Like when when is Base Coast this year and and what's that all gonna look like? So Base Coast is July eighth to eleventh, which is gonna be amazing, and it's in Merritt, BC, and so it hasn't happened since two thousand nineteen. So the great thing about it is like, oh, wow, they invited me back to do this. They actually asked me back to do this installation and they want me to do it in a bigger scale. So that's exciting. So instead of one structure, I'm going to be doing three or four structures. So yes, so I got a little crew coming to help me set it all up. Um, but yeah, Base Coast, July 8th to 11th. It's going to be amazing. Electronic music. 
going down and yeah, I do need a driver. <laughs> My piece at Base Coast is obviously talking about the trees and the ancient trees and love the trees and without our trees, we really wouldn't be anything, right? Like, trees are amazing. Anyways, a super important part of my piece is gonna, I'm gonna have a little plaque. It's gonna talk about the, the, the meaning behind my piece, the materials that went into my piece, but it's also going to have a little link that links to Fairy Creek Blockade. It's a blockade of people that don't even like, they have no like, it's not their job to be there, but they're there blockading the last of our ancient trees on this landmass from the loggers. These ancient trees are honestly our last like ancient selves. If you're interested, just check out Fairy Creek Blockade on Facebook and give them a follow and give them some support. If you wanna like donate some extra bucks, Fairy Creek Blockade on Facebook. Indigenization Across the Nation is produced by Grace Heavyrunner with Hannah Manyguns and Spencer Burgess with original theme music by Terrell Tailfeathers. <laughs>